Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. So I want to preach a message today. I'm entitled Lost and Found. But it has to do with the prodigal, but not just the prodigal son. The whole chapter in Luke 15 has just changed me. Well, it would, but it's something is, I saw something in that chapter that I've never seen before. And I don't know if it'll do for you what it's been doing for me. But uh, I just want to go there this morning. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to end up reading the whole chapter, so hang in there with me. In my my Bible, and probably in yours, this chapter is broken down into three sections. The first one says, lost sheep, and it starts in verse 3. So he told him this parable, saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? When he is founded, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And then there's a break, and my Bible says it's a lost coin. So it starts in verse 8. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the next, all the rest of the scriptures, the title says, The Prodigal Son. I want to look, this is really, to me, this is not quite accurate. The next, because this story, the parable that's coming up, is not just about the prodigal, so it's about two brothers. And I would entitle it Two Brothers. So let's, let's look at it that way. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Not many days later, The youngest son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country where he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the paws that the swine were eating and no one was giving him anything, anything to him. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
And the son said to father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to call your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and, be, and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. He said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed a fat, fatted calf, because he's received him back safe and sound. But he became angry, was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to the father, look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed, and fat, killed the fatted calf for him, he said to him, son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, was lost. It was found. Jesus always tailored his teachings to his audience. All good teachers do. So who is he talking to? It tells us at the very beginning, the first couple of scriptures, let's go back to first one. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to him and listening to him. Both the, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So there's two, two groups of people you might say that he's talking to. The first one is tax collectors and what they call sinners. The tax collectors were, were Jewish people that collected taxes for the Romans. They were despised by the people. They were, they were seen as collaborators, kind of, like, kind of like the French people who collaborated with the Nazis in World War II. They, they hated them. They were, they, were, they were Roman collaborators, and they were, they were corrupt. They would, they would collect the tax that they were supposed to collect, and they'd say, you've got to give me more, and if you don't, I won't put down to pay your taxes. So they all became rich, but they were just very corrupt and immoral, and the people hated them. And the other group that this talks about in verse 1 is what the Bible calls sinners. Now, this is, a, this is a whole range of people. This doesn't mean the people were living a reprobate life, but sinners were also people who just weren't, weren't religious. They were living their lives apart from God, like so many people today in the earth who are just living their lives as if God doesn't exist. They just, just don't even think about him. They, don't live, they just disregard him. So tax collectors and sinners. And also then it says Pharisees and scribes. They were the ultra-religious people, legalistic, saw themselves as superior. They were harsh. They were cruel. They were judgmental. They were uncompassionate. They despised those people who were not like them. They were arrogant and full of pride and self-righteous. Remember the story, the account that Jesus gave about the, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector that went into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee said, God, I thank you. I'm not like this sinner. I pay the tithe of men. I do all these right things. So they're totally self-righteous. And they were cruel. In Matthew chapter 23, there's a whole section of scripture where Jesus said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you tithe of mint and cumin and dill, but you neglect, 
you neglect the weightier things of the law, justice and mercy and the love of God. So they were, they were just, they were horrible people. They didn't, they were supposed, to, the ministry should draw people to God, but the Pharisees actually turned people away from God because of their harshness and their legalistic. So Jesus rebuked them because they drove people away from God instead of to him. And they despised Jesus because he ate, number one, he ate with tax collectors and sinners. You know, they, would, they, would, they wouldn't touch him. They wouldn't even consider going near him. And, he, and, he, and Jesus did things like he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And they'd say, the one of, there's a scripture in there with a, and I kind of add my voice to it. It says, there are six days in which you should come and be healed. Come then, not today. Don't come on the Sabbath. So they were just, they were terrible. This was, this was Jesus' audience. And then the Bible says in the, the, the first, there was a, a sheep. It talks about two lost people. Number one was a sheep, a sheep who was lost far from home, but still lost. And then it talks about a coin that was lost, but still in the house. And then it talks about a son who was lost far from home and became aware of it, and a son who was lost in the house, but didn't know it. Can you see how this is all one teaching? It's like the lost sheep is like the younger son who wanders away from home. The lost coin is like the older son who still never, never, leaves, the, never leaves the house, but he's still lost. So it's really a, it's just saw one teaching. And that's what, that's what I saw. And that's what kind of made It's like, oh, wow. I'm just, I saw something I never did before. This is not a teaching just about a prodigal son repenting and coming home and receiving the Father's mercy and forgiveness. It's a teaching about being lost and being found, showing us that you can be lost and be far from the Father, and you can be lost and be close to the Father. So you know the story of the younger one. He takes his inheritance, he goes, and he squanders it on drunkenness and immorality. Most everyone would agree that that's a sinful lifestyle. But the Bible speaks of passing, the passing pleasures of sin. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, that's, that's why people sin, because it does tickle you. You know, there was a, when, when my wife and I were in the Air Force, I, BC, I said before Christ, before we knew God, we would party every weekend and get blasted. It was fun for a while, but then the next day, you paid a price, because you couldn't hardly pick your head up off the pillow. There's always a price to sin. The devil wants to convince people, especially young, especially young my, my heart goes out to young people, especially young people, because the devil wants to come and say, you know, you follow God, you're going to be, you're going to be robbed of the pleasures of life. You know, the, 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 the Bible, if you live for God, your life is going to be restricted. You can't enjoy what your friends are enjoying. But I tell you, there's a price to pay for sin. Sin always costs you something. The devil's a liar. He always has been. You know, it's his, his modus operandi is, go ahead, take a bite. You won't die. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. You have to remember that. He's, he just he lies. Sin will cost you. There's always a consequence of sin, and he's a liar. I was thinking of that scripture in Psalm 84 and verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I tell you, life with God, you may not see it right away, but life with God is better than anything you could ever do. Stay faithful to God. Stay, live right and watch what he does for you. He'll bless your socks off. He really, he really will. The Bible labels the younger son the prodigal. That doesn't mean someone who's deliberately walked away from God. I learned a new word because I was listening to a, a pastor from England. I guess he was from England. He had an English accent. His name was Dave Robetz. I never heard of him before, but I found this video, it was, and I really enjoyed it. But he used the word profligate, P-R-O-F-L-I-G-A-T, profligate. I said, what's that? It means, it means to, be to be extremely wasteful of resources. To be extremely wasteful of resources. He spent, so the, the young son, he spent everything he had and had nothing to show for it. I thought, this is what the sinful life will do to you. It'll, it'll, it'll consume all your resources and leave, leave you with nothing. And then a famine hits. And he starves. But then he comes to his sense. The Bible says, this wonderful scripture says, but he came to his senses. Oh, God, help us to come to our senses and know the truth of living with you. So he comes to his senses. And he gets a revelation. I, I have in my notes in my Bible for years and years. I've had this in here. I don't know where I found it. But I have five words that begin with R. And the first is a revelation. He got a revelation. He said, God, it's better, it's better at home than it is here. In verse 17. And then in verse 18 and 19 is the real key. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So at first there was a revelation and then there was repentance. And in verse 20, a reconciliation. So he got up and came to his father, but when he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him. How unusual. We don't understand. This is extremely unusual for a man of, in that time, in that age, to show such tender emotion. They were very, very withdrawn. So the father runs to him, falls on, the Bible says he fell on his neck, kissed him, and started just welcoming home. It was wonderful. It's, and then, then there was restoration. Bring the, bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. And then there was rejoicing. So there was, there was a revelation by the son. There was repentance. There was reconciliation. There was restoration and rejoicing. Celebrating. Remember, that's what Jesus said in, when he talked about the lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents than one who needs no repentance. And the lost coin... He says, rejoice with me, for I found the coin which I have lost. So they celebrate. The heaven, heaven celebrates when someone gets lost, when the lost gets found. But that's not the end of the story. The oldest son hears the celebration. He gets so angry he doesn't even go in. So the father comes out again and tenderly pleads with him, please come in and celebrate with us. Your, son, your brother was lost, but now he's found. But he's angry because the father's compassion and forgiveness. He hasn't been he has been serving the Father out of love. He's been serving the Father out of duty and obligation. And he speaks to the Father with tremendous disrespect. This was very, very unusual in that day and that age. My gosh. He calls him this he feels he feels like 
I've served you my whole, you owe me. I've done the right things, you owe me. How many people today are like that? In Romans chapter 10, Paul the Apostle talking about the Jewish people. He said, they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For they, not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And I thought, how many people today are like that? They go to church, they're good people, they're living their lives right, and they feel like, I'm marrying God. God is, if I'm good enough, long enough, God will have something to do with me. I remember Darren's, I said this before, but Darren's mother years ago said, the greatest day of my life is when I found out I didn't have to earn my way to heaven. She said, this burden just lifted off, this tremendous weight just lifted off me. God's salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. But how many people go to church today and they, they, work, they think they're working their way to heaven and they're not saved. They don't know God. They don't really know him. And then we get angry if you try to tell them that they're not right, that their life's not right. You can't live this way and go to heaven. You have to receive God's grace and God's mercy. You have to be like the younger son who, who repents. You come to God with humility and repentance and he'll receive you. He'll fall on your neck and weep and say, I welcome home. If you want to be right with God, we have to be like that younger son, understanding that we don't deserve his compassion and his forgiveness, but he freely gives it to those who come to him with a repentant heart. We also have to be very careful that we don't become harsh and legalistic like the Pharisees. I think it's my wife and I have ministered to many people over the years, people that are living reprobate lives, and so many times we've said to each other, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. God draws people, but we have to respond. But we have to not, not look down our noses at those who are not living like we do. You know, I think of that scripture in Galatians chapter 6. It says, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of humility lest you also be tempted. So we need to be, we need to be, we need to not condone sin, but at the same time we need to be people who are drawing people to God, not, not condemning them, not putting them down, but trying to speak truth into their lives with a gentle and a tender heart to make God seem appealing to them, more appealing than the lifestyle that they're living. So that's the story of the prodigal, the lost sons, the two sons, we're going to receive communion today. When we do, just thank God that we're like the younger son. We've come to God with repentance and submission and an open heart. And he's welcomed us and saved us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.